are so excited today. We are here for our latest episode of Obscure, Underappreciated Animation that we do every month. And today we today is Easter Sunday, so it's very exciting. And I wish you all a happy Easter. And we're talking about a very special film that's very appropriate for this special day. And I am Rachel and Stanford's here. Hi. Yes. So we are talking about Prince of Egypt. This is so cool. Yes, happy Easter, and what a perfect movie to talk about. Yeah. It's, you know, the, the perfect title yeah. for Easter Sunday, that's for sure. Yeah, this is, I mean, we used to always, I think, watch, or they used to always have the Ten Commandments on yeah. at that's Easster. What, that's what we watched as, when I was a kid, is the Ten Commandments, yeah. Yeah, and I like the Ten Commandments. I think it's it's really iconic of that era, of that kind of, kind of, uh, historical drama and but you've got some stuff that's just really <laughs> really hard to yeah. take and they, I mean just uh, Ann Baxter in this Nefertiti so she's over the top yeah, yeah. And Edward G. Robinson somehow is in there like, <laughs> that casting you mean as a kid I mean and I didn't even know you know what other movies he was in <laughs> Just thought, who is this guy? You know, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, you know, big gangster, you know, movie star. He joined the mob and then went over to <laughs> ancient Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's a, it's a really good, good film. But well, it is, and and as you said, an iconic film. And really, what you associate, you know, well, at least what I, I associate visually with so many of these items from. The Moses story, yeah. you know, from the story in in, in, in Exodus in the Bible. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agreed. And you know, there's just nothing like a Cecil DeMille ethic. Yeah, it's, it's it, that was so true. So a creature of its time that mm -hmm. we never get anymore. Uh, and yeah, so it, that one's really fun. But I actually prefer this Prince of Egypt over the Ten Commandments, and maybe it's partly probably because. This came out when I was 17, so I was just actually starting college then, because I started a little bit early, and I just loved it. It was, you know, I feel like that sort of 16 to 20-ish kind of era is like the most formative, as far as you mm -hmm. taste in, in film. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. And... So this was one that I just absolutely loved. We recently, me and my friend Conrado did a best of 1998 podcast. And, uh, and it was number three, I think, in my podcast. Oh, nice. Yes. And I had the movie uh, by Hiro Kazukurita called Afterlife uh, is number two. And my number one was You've Got Mail, which is a movie I love. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my favorites too. Yeah, yeah. like the perfect, the perfect you know romantic comedy. Yes. Yeah. And I love Nora Ephron's script, and uh, and I love the. I just think it's so funny, and so yeah, so quite different, but it's definitely up there, and it's one of my favorite animated films I've ever seen. I absolutely just love this movie. So it's gonna be so much fun to talk about. Yes, I'm excited too. Yeah. Did you get a chance? Do you remember to see it back in the theater? That I did. I saw it in the theater and I was really blown away. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think we've talked about this a little bit. I'm, I'm not a huge DreamWorks fan. Right. And part of the reason is because, uh, you know, when Jeffrey Katzenberg didn't get promoted at the Disney studios, you know, he left 
and he took a lot of artists with him. And again, I can't fault the artists for going because it, it, you know, he, he really bumped their pay up, but I, I, I don't know. There was always, you know, I just, th- th- there was still that, that really bitter feud, you know, between DreamWorks and Disney that I think is definitely much lessened today, but still it remains there with me. However, you know, seeing this film, I was, I was really blown away just because it's so beautiful and so, you know, not only is it artistic, but I just feel like through their artistry, they really were effective with, with demonstrating these spiritual concepts and these spiritual things, and which I thought was such a feat. You know, that would be so that was so it's really, I think it's, it, it's just. 2D, it's it's like a high point of 2D animated musicals. I think in the, in the 90s, it's 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 a wonderful film. I love it. Yeah, I love it too. And they they did such a good job of I think giving some fictionalization. It's certainly better fictionalization than Edward G. Robinson and and Adam Baxter. <laughs> and <laughs> 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 we're like, oh, it was not actually the Bible story. I'm like, come on, they have yeah. to. Make- narrative they have to make it a story they have to flesh out the characters and i think that that uh this does and it's certainly way better than that ridley scott version which was a trouble i thought it was terrible i hated it yeah (laughs) but yeah they did that era between uh jeffrey katzenberg and michael eisner was it was pretty intense. I yeah. mean, you have them basically designing Shrek after Michael Eisner. Yeah. And you have them, you have Jeffrey, Jeffrey Katzenberg stealing the idea of ants mm-hmm. in that movie, which was his probably the most duplicitous thing that he did. And so that was the worst. And so, yeah, things were. <laughs> things yeah. Were it was it was dicey and again you know i wasn't there and i wasn't seeing this stuff firsthand i was only reading reports and seeing it but i think it caused a lot of problems because you know it inflated the animator's salaries which then i think there was a bit of a crash i mean hopefully hopefully they've recovered i mean it's been a while clearly but but um i don't know there were a lot of bad things about it but this film is definitely not one of them because it is just a, you know just a glorious movie mm-hmm. yeah and it had an interesting pedigree as far as directors you have brendan chapman who of course yes win an oscar for brave and then steve hickner who would go on to direct the uh b movie <laughs> some real classic yeah yikes <laughs> dreamworks at its best right <laughs> uh, yeah, and he would do other things for DreamWorks. It's pretty, it's pretty much his whole career has been working for DreamWorks. And then you have Simon Wells, who's actually the great grandson of H.G. Wells. So that's kind of fun. Which is cool, yeah. <laughs> and he did Five Will Goes West, We're Back, Balto. Uh, he, after this, he did Mars Needs Moms. So <laughs> I guess yeah. In a form, but sorry about that one, but <laughs> that one's rough, yeah, uh, yeah. So, and then you also had uh Philip Lazenbick, Lazenbick, I don't know how you say it, sorry, uh, doing the script, 
and he's worked on a ton of projects and uh, he did a musical with Stephen Schwartz uh, called Fairy Tale, which was all about Hans Christian Andersen, I guess, before. And so he had experience working with Stephen Schwartz. With Stephen Schwartz. Who did the music. And yeah, who did all, he did the songs and then Hans Zimmer, right? Or Hans right. Zimmer, I would, say, I would say that incorrectly, did the yeah. score. That's right, that's right. Yes, and uh, interesting, Nicholas Meyer, who's famous for Star Trek, he did uh, basically a rewrite on the screenplay. So, interesting. Yeah. And so, but the big standout here, aside from the animation, and we'll talk a lot about that, is, like you said, the music. You have Hans Zimmer, and I think that, I don't know. Obviously, Hans Zimmer is super talented, we know that. But I feel like ever since he got kind of hooked on with uh, with Zack Snyder and with Christopher Nolan, his scores have all started to sound the same. They're all that. Yeah, <laughs> they're uh, kind of almost like atonal, you know, um, mm-hmm. minimalist scores. Whereas with this one, it's kind of Lion King-ish. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like yeah. full on, full symphony orchestra and really you know just gorgeous yeah i'm i I, i'm with you he's really been it's almost like those 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 things that he's doing now feel so much more experimental than just kind of classic movie score scoring you know yeah there's nothing sort of lyrical about it that flows and and i don't know i mean i just feel like to me his man of steel inception uh interstellar uh i don't know just that whole group of scores they sound almost exactly the same to me like they're so similar yeah uh, that, uh, you know he did uh, an interesting uh, wonder woman theme that was then uh elaborated on uh by i forget the composer's name but but anyway so he has some things and just the last couple of years he's done some wacky things which is nice actually to see i think he did the boss baby score he did Kung Fu Panda 3, which, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to see him getting out of that sci-fi yes. bubble, I think, yeah. for a while. So he does the music in this, and it's so beautiful. It and is. They actually had three different soundtracks that they released of this movie, which is interesting. Yeah, that. that's right. I remember that from mm-hmm. back in the day. They had an, an instrumental soundtrack, right? And then was there, then there was just like the ones with the Stephen Schwartz songs. Yeah, there was an official soundtrack, uh, which has the instrumental and the vocals from the movie. And then there was a country version and then a gospel. Right. That's okay. Yeah. And with with different performers from that genre performing these songs, right? Isn't that what? uh, Okay. Yeah. That's that's right. right. And Stephen Schwartz, he is just an incredible songwriter and lyricist, I should say. He did, uh, he's done a lot, uh, quite a few musicals that are religious, religiously, religiously, spiritually themed, I guess. Yeah. Uh, His first, uh, I think his first major hit, I'm not sure his first musical was Godspell. And then he did uh, one called Children of Eden. I think that was, that was 1991. Have you ever seen Children of Eden? No, have you? 
Yes. And BYU did it once uh, while I was there. And it's really good. I really like it. It goes through the Adam and Eve story. It goes through Cain and Abel. It, a bunch of those early. I think Noah is in there. So it's pretty good. It's pretty fun. It has his sort of style. If you like his style of writing, yes. then, uh, then you'll like it. He did the, uh, the music for Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yes. And for, didn't he write the lyrics to Pocahontas? I think he collaborated with Alan Menken on Pocahontas. Let's see. Yes, you're right. Yeah. You're right, yeah. He's done his first films. He has Godspell, Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame, The Prince of Egypt, Enchanted, uh, Wicked, uh, supposedly, if that's ever going to happen. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so he's done Godspell, Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Prince of Egypt, and Enchanted. Those are his and then, I mean, as you mentioned, you know, he's he's the songwriter for the Broadway hit Wicked, which, yeah. I mean, talk <laughs> about a juggernaut, you know, yeah, uh, songs that everybody knows. Yeah, and I thought that oh, this thing's been way too overhyped when I went and saw Wicked, but I thought it lived up to the hype. I really enjoyed it. It was Wicked. Very- I think is one of the shows that lives up to the hype. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah, you get kind of annoyed, annoyed by, oh, my gosh, everybody's just talking about Wicked. Like, shut up, you know, already. <laughs> but then, you know, right. I was the same way. And then I saw, I'm like, okay, I see what people are talking about. Yeah. It's legit. <laughs> <laughs> and when I saw it, Anna Gaster from Saving Alive played Elsaba. So that was Oh, really how cool. Funny. I had no idea she could sing that well. But she was amazing. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, so he does an incredible job in this movie. I think the songs are just beautiful and poetic. And I, I think that particularly what I think is impressive is the reprises are really strong. Mm-hmm. So they're not just sort of throwaway reprises. They're really like usually a different singer, a different mood. And yet it's this song from that you'd heard earlier. Yeah. I think that really works. I agree. I think if I were to have really any criticism about it, and I don't, dishing this i dish this more toward the director and the screenwriter not so much steven schwartz yeah. there's that song uh called playing with the big boys yeah that's got Steven. we probably maybe we'll get there as we're you know dissecting the plot a little bit but that's the one song that i just think you know this scene could actually just be cut from the movie and i'd be yeah. i'd be and i'd be okay and i don't think it would really affect the plot i mean it kind maybe it kind of would but not really I think they could have done it in another way. But I completely agree. I think that Steven Schwartz has one stinker in each one of his. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the one. I think did you did you think so too on that one? Yes. Okay. I, yeah. I hate mine, mine, mine in Pocahontas. I think that song is the worst. And I really dislike the Gargoyles song. I think that is the worst. Oh. In, in Hunchback. I and hate then, that song. This, so I completely agree with you there. I also have one other, before we dive into the plot, my other weakness, I think, in this movie is I think that the voice cast is strong. I think they all do a good job, but it feels very modern. They didn't get a, I sometimes wish they'd gotten some more of a Shakespearean kind of cast and mm-hmm. didn't worry about the big names. Because when you hear Sandra Bullock's voice in particular and Jeff Goldblum, those are the two I think are the most distracting. Yes, they do kind of pull you out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no need. There's absolutely no need to have Sandra Bullock in this movie. Like, right. I don't know. It seems really a waste of money to me, but I don't know. It's just distracting. Mm-hmm. 
and that's a frequent problem with DreamWorks is they these bloated celebrity casts that yes don't serve anything don't have any purpose they're not needed so that would be my other big kind of flaw of this movie is this cast but they did at least always get a singing and dubber or whatever for everybody which i appreciate yes just stick with bad singing like disney yeah. does sometimes yeah and and this music's so beautiful it deserves a good singer yes yeah so all right well it starts out with deliver us and you see i love the way that this music i mean this movie it just pans through the city yes you get a real sense of sort of movement to i'm sure if somebody who understands things better than me would be able to tell you what kind of cinematography or whatever is used for that but i just love the way it just sort of zooms through and you get this real sense of sweep and awe and uh, you get, get this immediate idea of what these people are dealing with and mm -hmm. that's a place yes i agree with you one of the things that i instantly love about this, that deliver us scene too is that you know there's as, as the camera, you know, the animation camera is sweeping through the, uh, the big monuments, the Sphinx and all that, you know, and all these, uh, all these the pyramids and things. I mean, it looks real, but it's, but it's also very stylized. And mm -hmm. I like, I just like that approach that they, they keep it based in, in, in reality, but amp it up enough just to give it an, in their own artistic touch. So again, it's not, you, you you know you're you're watching this story, but it's not like you're watching just an animated version of the Cecil B. DeMille movie. Mm -hmm. You know you're you're watching something different, and right. and they do that throughout, and I love it. I just mm -hmm. I just think it's it was a, it was a brilliant move, and kudos to the to those wonderful artists, yeah. like you know that created it. It was really great, and uh, so then you see uh, this sort of montage, the sequence. Uh, between Ramses and uh, Moses, uh, and they kind of built them up as friends, rivals, brothers, uh, kind of a dynamic. And obviously it doesn't specifically say that in the uh, scriptures, but I think it's a reasonable assumption. Mm -hmm. They were about the same age and they would come into contact. I don't think that's, that's, that is a wild, <laughs> you know, elaboration. Yeah. And I think they do such a good job. I mean, I love this all I ever wanted uh, and uh, the, the whole sort of uh, with Ramsey's uh, getting told, you know, you, all it takes is one weak link and to ruin a dynasty. And so that's such a good way of sort of building up his character that he, it, he doesn't want to be the weak link, mm -hmm. and, you know, scared of that. And, so I think that they do in just a very short period of time with very little exposition. Yes. They, they do a ton of character building. I think so too. And again, super effective that, that kind of race that they're having, you know, with each other mm -hmm. to really, it just, yeah, it just instantly demonstrates this, this brotherhood yet rivalry. And also it becomes its own thing. I mean, again, we're familiar with the story but it's it's different and it's not it's not stupid you know it's not just like roll your eyes this is i thought it was you know a compelling way to really introduce these characters as they're as they're going into adulthood right yeah i agree 
And so we get uh, Moses is following this uh, woman who ends up uh, marrying. I forget her name. And Zipporah. 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 I'm not sure how to. Yeah, and so right. he ends up meeting. Uh, he ends up running into Miriam, who was Sarah Sandra Bullock, and Aaron. And she tells him that uh, you are our brother. And of course, Aaron's the whole time like, oh, she's, she's nutty. Don't listen to her kind of a thing. And she says, ask the man that you call father. And uh, that's when we get the All I Ever Wanted reprise there of uh, him, him realizing he, you see this whole hieroglyphics of what he did, what, what Pharaoh did, and the devastation of uh, Moses realizing uh, his the man he saw his father was him to do something like that. Yeah, I liked how they I liked how that was done with yeah. the with the hieroglyphic. I thought that was a really effective storytelling approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, then we get that he kills the uh, the taskmaster, and you know he can't. You can't hide it. And Ramsey tries to say, you know, we'll, we'll make it all, we'll make it all right. We'll pretend it didn't happen. The kind of thing. And he's like, no, I can't do this anymore. And you see this like incredible sort of sandstorm that kind of follows him as he, as he departs Egypt. I really thought that was great. Yes. Yeah. Especially with the music in that scene too. I know, right? I mean, the music just adds so much as we are saying, it's, it's Hans Zimmer. At his full symphonic best, and it's so it's so great, so moving, you know, so emotional. It really adds to it. Yeah. Yeah, and it never sort of lays there long enough to kind of, I don't know, be. I like. I feel like this is plenty comfortable for kids because it's never uh, things like whipping and and things like that are 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 done in just enough to kind of get the point, but not you know not in a vulgar way at all. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Mm-hmm. So and he ends up at the uh, he ends up at the house of Jethro, who they're like um, mini Midianites, right? They're they're nomads, kind of that travel, I think. And and he uh, he scares off these sh- uh, sheep uh, sheep burglars, sheep stealers, and uh, and they welcome him into their house, and that's when we get. A really effective montage, I think, which uh, saves a ton of boring parts because you get in the song <laughs> <I know. laughs> through heaven's eyes. You basically get their uh, you get their whole courtship between him and uh, why am I always forgetting her name? Zephora. Yeah. <laughs> you get their whole you get their whole courtship. You get them getting married. You get this all this stuff and the the vocal performance is Danny Glover, but then the music. Yeah, the singing is Brian Stokes. Brian Mitchell. Stokes Mitchell, mm-hmm. awesome, and, <laughs> he's, and I believe he's uncredited, but we all know it's him. You know, he's got such he's and he's kind of used that song. I think you know, he sings it in concert and whatnot. It's such a Did good you thing. were you in the Tabernacle Choir when he sang with them? No, but you know he's coming this summer. He's performing oh. in May. Well, I guess not this summer. Uh, it's May tenth. It's the it's commemorating the Golden Spike sesquicentennial and he and 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 megan hilty are going to perform with us a concert with the choir oh, i'm really that. excited yeah. yeah i think he's come for a pioneer day concert 
And I think he's saying, I can't remember if he's saying, he might have sang the song, you know. I was uh, he was at a Christmas one. Oh, he did. And, and it was before, it was before my time. Oh, okay. Yeah. But say he's, he's been back once or twice since then. But anyway, I digress. Golden, the Golden Spike always makes me laugh because when I was, I think, in fifth grade, that our teacher, she built this up as this incredible thing where we could go to the Golden Spike and literally like, almost every unit somehow involved it was like parts of crafts parts of english parts of history parts of everything it was a huge theme for the whole year it was railroads and golden spike and <laughs> so i was so excited for this field trip and we went and i was just oh like, dear it's a whole it? lot of, it's a whole lot of nothing <laughs> some train tracks <laughs> did they at least do a reenactment while you were there there was some kind of presentation but i was just like i've never been disappointed in my life <laughs> uh, <laughs> whenever i hear golden spike i'm like ah golden spike <laughs> oh that's great anyway <laughs> but brian stokes mitchell i love it's such a it's, it's a great song and i agree with you another really good storytelling device we could be bored to tears with with this stuff but instead they make it really compelling yeah and yeah and yeah. and again just almost it's compact but it doesn't it never feels rushed but it just moves it along at such a good pace because yeah. again you know if you're used to the the, the three plus hours t ten commandments <laughs> you know, it's a little different it's a little different yeah, yeah. as it should be better. it should be yeah so then they are living there and uh, we get the him going up the mountain, hearing the voice, and uh, we get this burning bush scene. How do you feel about how they handled the burning bush scene? I love how they handled the burning bush because, again, this is where I thought this could go really south. It could be just super weird or super, I don't know. I mean, just it could have done any number of things. I thought they handled it respectfully beautifully and it made it into a a mystical scene but in like the best sense of the word you know uh i thought i think i think it's it's stunning what's what's your take i absolutely love it i think they got such a tone of reverence yes and awe that i was just right it's exactly how i imagine god like if i think about i mean not the appearance maybe but as far as his voice and just that feeling of reverence mm -hmm. is how I imagine. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's it's be it's beautiful. I mm -hmm. and just whatever they were using for all those streaks of white, you know, that are coming out of the bush and kind of just rolling around. The animation, I think, is technically stunning too. They were probably maybe using some kind of CGI for it, but it's very effective. Yeah, it really is. And it's interesting that it was up to, I guess. A person named Lon Bender and Hans Zimmer to come up with the voice of God. And Bender says, according to Wikipedia, at least, <laughs> Bender says, we did a lot of research into the voices that have been used for past Hollywood movies as well as for radio shows. And we were trying to create something that had never been previously heard, not only from casting standpoint, but from voice manipulation standpoint. The solution was to use the voice of actor Val Kilmer to suggest the voice, the kind of voice we hear inside our own heads in our everyday lives, mm -hmm. as opposed to the larger than life tones, 
with which God has been endowed in prior sentimental yes. incarnations, which I think is so brilliant. I thought that was a brilliant move too, because it added to the, to me, it added to the reverence of it, uh, of the sequence rather than, yeah, this big booming voice or something, you know, coming out. It's, it's, it, it, it was lovely. I thought it was a good, and you know, speaking of voice cast, I actually thought Val Kilmer did a really good job as Moses because I feel like Val Kilmer wasn't necessarily Val Kilmer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. he, he was doing something a little different. It really worked for me. Did it work for you? Oh yeah. And I actually, I like Ray Fiennes as well. I think I do too. Job. I think those two are, they were, that was, a, that was a real coup. I think to get the, the two of them, that was, that was DreamWorks casting at its best. Too. Yeah, <laughs> and I just think it's such an interesting idea of using his own voice in a different, you know, yes, a little bit differently because that is so true. It just makes it feel so intimate and so real, mm -hmm. and it's not your. Uh, I don't know. Some, sometimes in movies it feels like the the god is portrayed as sort of the 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 wizard in Wizard of Oz. Yes, <laughs> yes. Who gave you permission? To, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then the burning bush would, yeah, kind of light up as, you know, the pattern of this voice, you know, yeah. The Ridley Scott one is even worse because God is like this 10-year-old petulant boy. And I don't know what they were thinking with that. I have no idea. It's the weirdest thing. It's so weird. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, he gets the calling basically to go and he's, you know, really doesn't feel qualified doesn't feel like they'll listen to him and you know he reassures him and uh, so he decides to go back and we get the uh the the scene where he first presents the snake to Ramses, and then we get our song from the priest yeah that song which again i understand where they're going with it as far as you know keep moving the story forward but it's it's not a great song and and it, i instantly went back to the gargoyle song and hunchback too it's just it's just where it where it took me just because it's 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 really i just i think it's out of place yes i agree if your thoughts on your movie about ancient egypt is to cost martin short and steve martin right hold off on that thought <laughs> Exactly, because I had forgotten that, that you know this part, and then the character shows up, and I think, wait a minute, that's Steve Martin. Wait a minute, that's Martin Short. And like, oh, then it all kind of started coming back to me, like, oh no, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. the comic. It's the comic relief in a movie about Moses. You know, not a good idea. <laughs> no. You didn't need it. Like, kids are fine. Like we talked about with the Song of the Sea, that that's a movie with really heavy themes. And there are a few little moments of humor, but for the most part, it's a pretty sad movie. Yeah. And kids are fine with it. They're fine. So yeah. we don't need the, the comic relief scene. Yeah. If you've done your job, I think, in other parts. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's that. Moses gives back the ring that Ramses had given him. Yeah. And, uh, and then Ramses says, I will not be the weak link. I will not let your people go. Yeah. And then we get a sort of confrontation between Aaron and Moses, where Aaron is upset because they've had double the work put upon them. And Miriam says, uh, I thought a really great little line here. She says, Moses, hear what I say. I have been a slave all my life and God has never answered my prayers until now. 
God saved you from the river. He saved you in all your wanderings. And even now, he saves you from the wrath of Pharaoh. God will not abandon you, so don't abandon us. And I thought that was beautiful. That's a really, I agree. That's, that's a really good line from Miriam. And, and uh, again, it didn't need to be Sandra Bullock giving it. But she did a good job giving it that line, I thought. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, because it can feel... Sometimes you can go through a drought where you don't feel like you're not feeling the spirit the way that you normally have. You don't feel like you're getting your prayers answered, whatever kind of a thing. And you can start to sort of doubt and get frustrated, especially if they're being treated so terribly that that, oh, that would be extra. They're suffering. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Extra motivation to be mm-hmm. angry. And uh, so I, I, uh, I, I think that was a really, really touching uh, little segment there from Mary. Yes. Yeah. And so then another smart decision that they make is to go through all the, the plagues in one song. And they, just like they went through all the courting and the marriage and everything like that in one song, they go through all the plagues in one song, which I think was yeah. very smart. I thought it was really smart. And again, such tremendous artistry mm-hmm. as they're going through, the, I think, how they, how they animate the plagues. Because, again... I think that, that they, they keep it artistic and beautiful and family friendly. <laughs> you know, you get what's happening, but it's not like, a th- I don't think it's necessarily going to give a kid a nightmare, really. But it's still, I mean, it's scary. I remember being absolutely wowed by that scene too when I saw it in the theater and was reminded of how good, of how good that, that sequence yeah. is in this yeah, film it's too. Really, really good. It's, it's brilliant. And you get a brief scene between uh, Pharaoh and ramsey uh where he you know he says please please uh, and there i think it's pharaoh who says you know why can't things be the way that they were before and then his child comes out and uh and he basically says one must wonder why someone would want us or why god would want us to go through all of this and they're just there i think that's a, an effective conversation between the two of them you really see their points of view and why they're doing what they're doing yeah and it, it makes sense as opposed to just sort of a i don't know a bad guy yeah in perspective yes and he says please there should be a great cry in egypt such as there never has been before and then he says ramses you bring this upon yourself and that's when we get the final plague, which of course any of the uh, homes that don't have the lamb's blood around them uh, get the firstborn uh, gets killed. And I think the way that they do that is very haunting, but also like strangely spiritual. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's what yeah. I thought too. It was like, how are they making this spiritual, you know? And, and uh, you know, you feel the you know, the gravity and the, the sadness of it, but also just like the inevitability of it, you know, because, because Pharaoh or, you know, Ramses is not, is not budging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they also, I think, do a nice job with Ramses and his son, just establishing his love for his son, just so you know that it's going to be that extra blow to him. You know when when he when he, when he loses his son I, again effective storytelling yet again yeah <laughs> and you see yeah Ramses with his son covered with the cloth yeah and that's when he tells Moses 
take your people away, never want to mm-hmm. see them again. And so you get the uh, When You Believe is our, one of our last songs. And it's all the people of Israel that are gathering together to leave. Isn't and that an amazing scene, too? It's so, <laughs> it's so good. It's so touching. I, I don't know if I necessarily, I mean, I might have shed a tear or two, but it's, it, it's so beautiful. I just think how they com- com- compose that with all the people coming together because they're not, they're just, they just, you just feel the sense of relief and gratitude. It's not like it's this big party and woohoo, we're free. It's just, you know, this burden's been lifted and they're just slowly walking out. And I just, I, I think, I don't know, I really like it. Yeah. And it's so well done because I think it just starts with Miriam singing. If I'm not yes, mistaken. it does. And then it builds and it builds. And yes. It builds until it's this huge. So uh, it's a huge choir that's singing it and it's gorgeous. And, it's and it's such good. a, and it's such a great song too. Yeah. You know, I think that was like, you know, the big single from the movie, but it's, it's a great song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it won the Oscar for that year for Best yes. Original Song uh, with Winnie Houston and Mariah Carey. And Mariah Carey. So Those two bur- buried the hatchet and sang this duet together, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know they were are they feuding, huh? But, um, I, don't know if, I don't know if they were necessarily feuding. I don't think that they were necessarily friends. <laughs> that makes sense. But, and uh, so, yeah, then we get the Pillar of Fire because, of course, Her- Pharaoh does send his armies after them. And I love the the animation on that fire. I think it's gorgeous. Oh, that whole this this whole really final sequence between yeah the pillar of fire and then the parting of the Red Sea. Yeah, this is where animation is such a perfect medium for this story. Right. Because again, they amp up the artistry of it, and and, and but it just it feels so visceral and really so real, even though. It's very exaggerated, but oh, wow. I'm with you. I love it. That pillar of fire is so exciting and so amazing. Yeah. And I, I love the fact that somehow this party of the Red Sea, I think it's also very reverent. And for such a big moment, it's such a epic moment. It feels very like... It's so intimate. And beautiful and peaceful. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it starts to get a little more chaotic when they... Uh, when it's starting to, they're trying to. Yeah, get out when Pharaoh's armies are trying to, yeah, kill them. But but I don't know. I just love uh, the expression on Moses' face. I love just the moment when he puts his staff into the, you know, and then opens the the Red Sea. Uh, I think it's really beautiful. And uh, does it bother you that there's things in the Red Sea that they would never be in the Red Sea, like whales and stuff like that? <laughs> You know, a little, but I, I'm a, I just, I let, just let it go. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, I guess that's what they decided to do. Maybe <laughs> not my choice, but. Yeah, I don't mind it at all because I don't know. I just allow a little bit of artistic license. Yeah, and, exactly. And it's just, and they did it in, in a beautiful way. So I was like, okay. Well, yeah. Uh, so yeah, then, then that's basically uh, the uh, the final scene of the movie is Miriam's or Miriam or is that Zipporah says to Moses, "Look at your people; they are free." And, uh, and then you get a little bit of a deliver us reprise, which is so nice. Well, you know, it is. And then you know, at the, at the very end, that final shot, Moses is coming back down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments. You know, the two right. tablets with the Ten Commandments and. I, again, I thought it was a brilliant way to do it because they didn't go all Cecil B. DeMille on it on us. 
they just are showing, they're just showing this this particular part and it's a really effective way to end the movie i think yeah because i think it would make it too unlikable to have like aaron get making the golden cat uh, all that stuff like it's just we don't need it we don't yeah need it. yeah i'm with you so that was smart so there you go that was prince of egypt and i just love it i think it, it is just such a beautiful peaceful inspiring story it's probably my favorite faith-based film that I've ever seen it's definitely up there that's for sure yeah and I don't I just think it's so beautifully animated it was actually in my top 10 favorite animated films that I did like three or four years ago nice yeah I had a um it as like number seven or number eight one of the others uh with uh, Song of the Sea and Secret of Nim were like my seven, yeah. eight, nine. You know, so, something I really love. One other thing I just want to mention, Rachel, as we're wrapping this up, uh, I am so, I, I, I'm yet again so impressed with the character designs that they em- employed in this in this film. I think that the way that they drew Moses and Ramses in particular, um, their faces are are are. Are, are unique you know they're not you wouldn't just see it in like oh that's a disney character or someone you know or you wouldn't even say that's a dreamworks character it's it's really its own thing and they i think they pull particularly well i guess out of both of them but i think really out of moses the the animators do such a good job of acting with you know how they, how, how they draw how they draw him uh, yeah. his face because his face has to carry so much emotion and 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 the weight of it, and the weight of it all, and I think that they really ace it. But I like all the character designs. I think you know Zipporah is good, and Miriam and Aaron. I mean, you know, they some of them are, are kind of cartoony. How they an exaggerated oval or something, you know, with, with their face or you know, some with their hair or beard or whatnot. But still, though, like I, uh, I thought it, I thought that they were unique, and I and I and I, and I liked it. What was do you? Yeah. What's oh, I agree completely. And it was not an easy task to oh. to keep Moses likable, who starts out with the way that he is. And you're kind of rooting for Ramses at the beginning. Yes. Um, but they really have dynamic characters in this movie. And I always appreciate when a movie is rich in characters. So it's not just focused on the one lead, he- lead hero, but you get to feel something and attachment for even minor characters like that. They did a good, great job with this. And uh, I I just, I just, and I love the music. I think it's so beautiful. And so, yeah, I think it's great. So I got some responses. I asked on Twitter for thoughts on Prince of Egypt and a whole bunch of responses. So I have uh, Joe Tofano says, the burning bush scene always gets to me. Daniel at Royal Scrub says, better than every Pixar. And um, and uh, his wife says, Mister <laughs> says Daniel may or may not have gone on an epic rant about this movie in our underrated animated videos. Check <laughs> 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 it out. Uh, so Andrew Garrison says, interesting that you would be talking about the film around this time. Let's just say we are in agreement again. Underappreciated. And. Uh, MC Myers says, what I like most about it is that it wouldn't be made today. It's huge, expensive, like old epics. It hinted at animation being treated like regular movies. Not crazy about all the casting, though. I can't think of anyone less appropriate for a biblical Egypt than Steve Martin. 
and uh, yeah. we have uh, Michelle Benz. It's the second best DreamWorks film after How to Train Your Dragon. We have Adam Acon six eight nine says DWA's DreamWorks animation's best. Richard Souther says loved it. Beautiful story, music, and animation. Movie Mation says the Party of the Red Sea scene blows me away every time I see it. The scene where God talks to him is incredibly well done and has outstanding opening. The soundtrack is also outstanding. It's an incredible film. And then Connor Johnson says, my favorite animated feature from DreamWorks Animation. It's in my top 25 favorite animated features of all time. And so, yeah, people love it. <laughs> yeah. And you can't blame nice, them. Nice to hear. No, you can't blame them at all. So... All right, well, let us know what you think of this movie. Is it a favorite of yours? Or do you prefer the Charlton Heston version? Or maybe you're a wild card and you prefer the Ridley Scott. Let us know <laughs> in the comments section or on Twitter. That would be really fun. And uh, we'd really appreciate it. So Stanford, where can people find you? All right, I'm on Twitter at Stanford Clark. And I also have a movie blog and podcast at moviespastandpresent.com. Great. And I'll have all the information in the description section. And you can follow me at Rachel's Reviews on iTunes and on YouTube, all of our social media. And if you're listening on iTunes, if you can give us a ratings and reviews, we really appreciate it. And if you're listening on YouTube, if you can give us your thumbs up and subscribe to the channel, we really appreciate that too. And uh, let us know if you have any suggestions for what we can do for underappreciated obscure animation we would be very grateful and very curious for your thoughts. So thanks so much again and happy Easter. And uh, yeah, this was so much fun. Happy Easter. Thank you. Okay, bye.